This is Tears of Scrutiny. Hi everyone, my name is Bari Sidana and welcome back to Tears of Scrutiny. On today's episode, I'm going to be discussing a case called Moore v. United States. This particular case is a bit, is a bit dense, so we're going to go ahead and start with the facts of the case. In 2005, the Moore family invested in Kissencraft, an Indian company that helps farmers, and in turn were given 13% of the shares. They invested $40,000. The corporation itself is qualified as a, quote, controlled foreign corporation, end quote, because U.S. shareholders own at least 50% of the shares. So again, the Moore family, the Moore in this case, were given 13% of the shares. Kissencraft then continued to reinvest that money into their business, leaving the Moore family without dividends. Dividends are the payments that shareholders get back on the investments that they make into different companies, usually on a quarterly basis. Then, in 2017, Congress enacted a one-time tax known as the Mandatory Repatriation Tax on Investments in Controlled Foreign Corporations after 1986. So the Moore family, again, invested their money in 2005, which of course is after 1986, and that money was then taxed. The tax was part of Donald Trump's policy, former President Trump's policy on tax codes, and was expected to roll in $340 billion over 10 years. The Moore family tax ended up being about $15,000 more in 2017, so they went to a federal court arguing that it violated the apportionment clause of the 16th Amendment because it taxed their shares in Kissencraft, which they believed to be their personal property, rather than income or dividends that they would have gotten from the corporation. Now, let's go all the way to June of 2022. The Ninth Circuit then affirmed a district court's decision to reject the challenge and Moore's due process challenge. Courts have consistently held that taxes, like the transition tax, are constitutional and that whether income is realized or not is not determinative of whether the tax is constitutional. However, four judges in the Ninth Circuit dissented in the opinion and sided with the Moores. They said, Quote, we open the door to expansion of the federal taxing power beyond the limits placed by the Constitution. Indeed, without a realization requirement, it's hard to see what's left of the constitutional apportionment requirement. Now, I fear any tax on property or other interests can be categorized as an income tax and elude the requirement of apportionment. While the 16th Amendment expanded the federal government's taxing power, It did not dissolve other constitutional restrictions, end quote. So they are arguing that the dissenting judges are just judges argue that it's beyond the scope of the power given to Congress within the Constitution to make a tax like that. And they fear that with the majority decision siding against the Moors, that they were giving too much power to the federal government. One important case that the Moors used was called Eisner, or is called Eisner v. Mackenberg. 
It's basically, it was a decision from 1920 in which the Supreme Court held that a stock dividend was not subject to tax under the 16th Amendment. So again, very important because the family was being taxed for their investment, even though they hadn't gotten any dividends out of that investment. And the Supreme Court has previously held that even a stock dividend is not subject to tax under the 16th Amendment, not subject to an income tax that doesn't need to be apportioned. So you might be wondering, what does the 16th Amendment say? And let me just read directly from the 16th Amendment, and then I'll explain it. The 16th Amendment says, quote, Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived without apportionment among the several states and without regard to any census or enumeration, end quote. It's a bit dense, but the 16th Amendment is basically saying that Congress can issue an income tax without taking into account the population in different states. So that population part is the apportionment census and enumeration part. Basically, the income tax, again, is not based on the population in the state. An example of this would be, let's say there's 50 people in one state and 100 in the other state. With the 100 in the other state, all of them would be taxed less so that it makes up the same amount of money as the people in the state with 50 people. That is not at all the case, and that's because the 16th Amendment allows Congress to enact those taxes on income without taking into account apportionment. So the question in this case is, can Congress pass a statute under the 16th Amendment taxing income that is not yet realized by the taxpayer without apportioning the tax among states in proportion to their population. Now you might be wondering, what is realized sum? So an unrealized gain is a stock or a bond. You don't have direct access to the money from these sources, and much of U.S. code requires sums to be realized in order for people to tax them. Again, that is what an unrealized sum is. It's something where you don't have direct access to the money. And the Moors are arguing that they didn't have direct access to this money, and therefore it was not realized. However, because this is quite literally a billion dollar question with a ruling in favor of the Moors causing a loss of maybe $340 billion, it's... It's a big question for the Supreme Court to handle, you know? During the oral during the oral argument, the justices asked lots of questions about what it means for something to be defined as income, what it means for something to be realized, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I expect that the Supreme Court will make a narrow decision in this case because of the broad implications. If they do rule in favor of the Moors, there's a possibility that some of the previously thought to be constitutional taxes that have been enacted by Congress, or maybe even taxes that people are talking about, like a wealth tax, etc., etc., would no longer be constitutional. However, a ruling against the Moors could also give the United States government some dangerous power when it comes to taxation. That's all I have for you guys today. Can't wait to see you guys in two weeks. Bye.